welcome back to the TetraCast, episode 218. Yeah, as of the time of this recording, it's September 4th, and here we are, already September. Um, the, the year's just rolling by. I am your host, Josh Torres, once again. Uh, Brian is out this week, uh, unavailable, and uh, if all things go well, he should be back next week. So until then, you'll have to stick with, with me for just a little while longer. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But I'm not alone, thankfully. We have a... Uh, uh, some folks here helping me out, uh, you know, even though there's not a lot of RP- new RPGs right now, we're, we're going to ma- make it through. Uh, joining me uh, this week is Adam Vitali. Hello. Uh, James Galizio. Hey, folks. Jess Reyes. Nice to be back. And Chow Min Wu. Nice to be back. Chow's not jumping right. in halfway through this time. I know. He's here from the start. He's not a ninja anymore. Just like, hey guys, what's going on? I just got done at lunch. I'm like, all right, chow. Hope you had a nice lunch. But yeah, um, here we are. We're in the week before Tales of Arise. A lot of RPG fans are uh, eagerly awaiting that. Um, but, you know, even if we might or may not have, you know, it at the moment, we still can't talk about it in the in the chance that we might have it. Who knows? But in the meantime, we'll talk about some of the games that we're playing besides the ones that we can't. Like, it's not just Tales of Arise, it's something else too. So, to kick things off, uh, we have Jess here uh, to ce- not celebrate, but she got wind of it. Uh, we had news that uh, Dark Deity is coming to Switch next year on uh, Switch. And Jess, you were like, this looks really cool. This looks like an awesome Fire Emblem-like game. And did you receive code or did you buy it? I forgot. Oh, I did get a code. So um, I actually got it a while ago when it first released for PC. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm only getting around to it now when the news came out. I was like, oh. Um, you know, like it, it looked fun from the beginning and I knew a couple of people that played it, but it's popular enough that I guess they're porting it to Switch now. Yeah, yeah. So let's, let me step back a second for those who aren't familiar. This was actually a bit of an interesting release because it's, it's, it's an indie Fire Emblem game. It's in the vein of like the GBA titles of Fire Emblem. It was announced at E3 and then shadow dropped like the day after. So it was the sort of thing where nobody knew it existed and then suddenly it was out. So no marketing or lead up to it. It just sort of dropped. And um, apparently it's, you know, for the, any, any game like that, it's been doing pretty well and been received pretty well. Uh, Jess, just curious, have you played the GBA Fire Emblems or any of them? I believe the earliest one that I played was Shadow Dragon on the DS. So you, ha- so you haven't played a GBA Fire Emblem? I, I was just curious because that's clearly yeah. the games it's like emulating in terms of its visual style. I mean, it's obviously Fire Emblem have similarities throughout, but... You know, it's funny, like, when Koga tried to make his own Fire Emblem, he got sued from Nintendo. <laughs> and this time, when Ninjas do it, I guess they're okay with it. Wait, what What happened to Vestaria Saga? I've actually been meaning to play that. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm talking about. When, Wait, he when got sued Koga's... for that? We were trying to start a lawsuit. I mean, it was Berwick Saga, I think it was? Oh, I, yeah. I'm thinking of Vestaria Saga, which is... Well, that was the sequel. I think okay. that's the name of the sequel, I okay. think. Oh, okay, I didn't know that was a sequel to... a. a... I think that's when he got a new start. Okay. I don't know. Like there was a lawsuit going on when he left Nintendo when he started like his own Fire Emblem 
All right, back to Dark Deity. So Jess, what is Dark Deity like? Okay, so the main thing that's the same as Fire Emblem is the tactical chess-like gameplay, where everyone's their different classes, like Rogue and Mage and Knight and all that different stuff. So there's the game, there's the um, damage predictions based on what kind of, um, like who you're going to attack, etc. But there's lots of... uh, the game makes a lot of the grindy option, like the grindy stuff, optional. So there's not a lot of side quests that you need to do to grind up levels. And then even the bonding episodes are optional. Um, also, there's no permadeath. So if your character dies in the middle of battle, they'll just come back the next time. But there is a stat punishment. So like if you let them die, then um, they might lose two of this one stat or something. So far, I'm I'm chapter eight and. I've heard that there's 28 chapters altogether. So in the beginning, I felt a little bit compelled to just restart like I do with a Fire Emblem game. It's like, oh, darn, that was stupid. I should have not let them die like that. Let me start try again. But later on, I was like, you know, I feel like maybe I don't care if they die. <laughs> so I'm just going to see what happens there. Um, it was one of my trash units that died anyway. So I was like, well, hey, trash I wasn't going to save all... him. <laughs> oh, my God. I already discarded. Because he died. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's like this guy, it's like, I mean, he looks like a cool character, but actually, like, you know how some characters, they have the high enough speed so that they could double someone even if they don't do that, even if they don't do that much damage, or um, they do a lot of damage, or maybe they're a healer. This guy, I feel like he doesn't have anything. Like, I just have him there to fill in the gaps. He has no utility. He's a, he's uh, a bench warmer. I'm curious. So, I mean, so I um, in, yeah. in, in uh, Fire Emblem 7, which is Blazing Sword, which is the GBA one, um, yes. you go from chapter to chapter. So like it's a level-to-level based game, and there, you really cannot grind because there are no places to grind. You don't have literally a limited amount of chapters to play in, and whatever enemies are in those chapters is it. So does Dark Deity have like side like free battles or anything like that that aren't chapters, but you can just battle just to grind if you wanted? Like, uh, does the Coliseum count in Fire Emblem? <laughs> yeah, technically it does. But... Okay, so what happens is that around Chapter 3, you start having um, a camp. So basically, um, in between chapters, they'll be like, oh, we should like set up camp. And then that's when you could move around your inventory and buy more healing items, level up some of your weapons, and then do the bond episodes, which are, are optional. Um, for- so those are the only part you can stay on so far that I've gotten to, at least. And then you can just choose to advance and go on to the next battle. Nothing, no free battles or side quests, but okay. I'm not sure if that comes later or something like that. Uh, yeah, I think the, the, you mentioned earlier that like you said like those there were like optional like grind missions. Are they like, are those the ones segmented off? I, 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 maybe I, I misheard that earlier. Oh, no, I was thinking like, the last Fire Emblem game I played was Three Houses, and there would be quests that you could take on um, to level up before you go into the next mission if you mm-hmm. feel underleveled, but there's no such thing in this game. Oh, okay, so so it is pre- pretty linear, like, for at, where you're at, this is like stage to stage to stage, with like a little camp yes. segment, but there's not like... Okay, got it, got it. Um, another big thing is the... So you get the weapons right in the beginning, so like each set of weapons is class locked so for example all knights 
have the same weapons. If you decide to level up your character into a knight, all their weapons suddenly change into swords, even if they had like bows before or something. And this, so you got well, multiple multiple weapons to pick from from the beginning. And when you reach level 10, it'll automatically ask you to choose a different class. So it's not like you need a, another item to do that like you do in Fire Emblem games. And you, um, are there like branching class paths uh, in terms of like if you have uh, a mercenary or whatever class, can they turn in, when they get the chance to change class, can you choose which class they change into? Yeah, so okay. um, yeah, there's like a, the first level up, there's four to pick from. And then oh, okay. so I don't know when the next bit. level up will be, but there's another there's another top part of the tree that you could choose from once they reach a high enough level. Yeah, they haven't gotten to yet. The reason why I ask, and if you haven't played some of the earlier games, maybe you're just not aware, but obviously in later Fire Emblems like Three Houses, you can uh, level and change class pretty freely. But in Fire Emblem, uh, the titular Fire Emblem Blazing Sword on GBA, you go from one class to the next. There, there are no like you don't make a choice. Like mercenaries will always turn into heroes, for instance, or knights will always turn into generals. So I was just curious, how much is it emulating, uh, like that being its GBA style, and how much is it sort of how much is this game sort of pulling in from later Fire Emblems? So that that's a lot of my questions are sort of leaning on that in terms of um, what which elements from which Fire Emblem games is it sort of embrace is it sort of embracing but it sounds like it has a pretty flexible class system um is there weapon durability so like you only can use your sword 30 times and it breaks it's unlimited and also your spell so you could just like heal your characters whenever okay generous that's I find that kind of interesting because I remember when um when Fates was coming out they Next, they got rid of weapon durability because they, yeah, and it sort of was like, um, they felt it almost felt like they were going to change things going forward. Like, we're no longer going to have weapon durability, um, we're going to have this new system. In Fates, it was sort of like, uh, I don't maybe remember the specific details, but you had like, like a charge meter on your weapon, and then when you use it enough, you can do like a special attack, and then it, you can charge it again. Um, but there was no durability. But then they just got rid of that, and they brought back weapon durability for three houses. So uh, who knows what the next Fire Emblem game will have? Um, and I think I think Echoes also had weapon durability. So I was just curious. So it seems like Dark Deity does not. Uh, tell us, like, uh, what's the story like in this game? What's going on? So they're in a war against. So basically, there's. I guess the first few main characters they're basically. Um, and soldiers they're just like learning at an academy and then suddenly uh they find out hey it looks like the king is drafting literally everybody in this academy and now you need to go off to war um so that's how everything starts off um and then like they start to like i guess they meet the other side and then it turns out there's something going on with these special stones um honestly i haven't gotten that far yet but like a you know, like there's a special stone that they're trying to get back that's kind of like a powerful family heirloom. Okay. And there's bad guys after it, you know, like that kind mm -hmm. of thing. Do the characters um, seem likable? They seem uh, just about as likable as like, I think a Fire Emblem character would be. Okay. So in the main story, how do you recruit characters? 
do they like all start with you or do you have a chance to like in battle like add someone to your team because recruitment especially in earlier fire emblems was a pretty big you know component in terms of how you got new units so for the most part they automatically join there was okay. one part i think that was the most complex where it's like you need to free hostages mm-hmm. and then you need to like go into these separate rooms and get them get, get to have them join your party although i wonder like now that I'm thinking about it, I'm not quite sure what would happen if you just decided not to save them. <laughs> um, but a lot of the time, they would you would just start a new chapter, and then there'd be this new person like I'm joining your team, and then the characters would be like, "All right, cool." Sorry that I keep bringing up Fire Emblem, but even though this game is very, very clearly a Fire Emblem like, like that's clearly it's uh, it's. I mean, even the, even the creator, even the creator, even admitted like, "Hey, I really yeah. like these." Uh, games i wanted to make a one like that so it's yeah i, I it's actually have a absurd. note on that but um i don't think there's any shame to do that though yeah uh so especially in like earlier fire emblems the story like the main plot line of these games they really focused on a smaller set of characters you know like three or four or five main characters and then all the other characters you got they really didn't because of permadeath those characters didn't actually interact in the main story much at all um, because they may not be there. They might be dead, so you can't... They didn't, like, account for that. They decided to not have them participate. Um, but they would, like, you know, those other characters that you recruited and got and for training and whatnot, they would have support conversations with each other. And that's sort of how you got into their personalities and stories and whatnot. Um, so I was just sort of curious in this game, if there is no permadeath, do all the characters, I assume there's a pretty large cast being a tactical game, do they seem to have pretty even, you know, participation in the story, or does it focus on, like, a main trio? I think the main people are the first few that you meet in the beginning of the story. Like, the ones in the promotional art, you can expect them to be, to have the most screen time. Mm-hmm. Whenever one of the people you randomly picked up has a line, I'm just kind of like, all right, I guess it, it's time for you to get like one line of screen time. Then it's other person, other side characters time to get like one line. Okay. So, well, that's actually one thing about three houses. That's interesting is that that's the only game in the series where you pretty much start with pretty much the full cast. I know some units come in a little bit later, so it feels a bit more even in terms of, obviously it's got the main three Lords, but in terms of there is no recruitment really, not too much um, in that game. So, so with Three yeah. Houses being such a huge game, I, I, there was an interview with the uh, person who created this game, and it seems like he wanted to do a slightly more focused, slightly more classic style of Fire Emblem with this, you know, the GBA stylings of the visuals, and maybe a bit more focused in terms of the uh, the combat and the, the chapter progression and things like that. One thing that was also sort of interesting in this interview that he did, I believe it was with Silicon Era, was that this game was apparently in development for about two years or something like that it, for an indie game, which oftentimes have like really extended developments for obvious reasons. This game kind of seems like it turned around its development pretty readily, which is kind of surprising. Um, I'd say it makes sense that if you said that the, um, the gameplay was the main focus in terms of combat, I felt like that was the most engaging part. Um, I feel like I haven't gone far enough to like really judge the story too hard. Mm-hmm. So far, you know, it's the typical thing where it's like, um, I feel like it's definitely not so complex as um, three houses, but that's kind of a high bar. Um, the characters are enjoyable enough. Uh, 
when I'm comparing it to Three Houses, it's like those characters where like they're not necessarily driving factors of the plot, but it just makes sense that like, you know, they all make sense as like just a person living in the world that was built. Yeah, I get it. But you. this story, like I, I guess like I haven't found out much about the world yet because like there's not as much exposition drop. You just learn th- new things as you go. Like for example, learning that there's like a, you know, like one of those lower classes of people called adept, and then there's like um learning about different kinds of towns that are like poorer than others. So that's something you kind of learn as the story goes on and there's less of an ex like a exposition dump. I'm sure there's I'm sure there's several twists you haven't run into yet. You're only like eight out of twenty eight chapters. So (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's like I still got a lot to learn. So it's a little early to judge story, but I'm having fun. Um I really do enjoy the gameplay and I like that they made a lot of the things optional like the bonding episodes I can go back for because they're not um, they're not tied to any stats, so you can just do them for fun when you want. Okay, cool. Um, I, I'm curious, uh, that now that you've had some time with this game, like when it comes to like UI and the HUD and whatnot, do you think the they'd be able to like adapt that for the Switch, uh, like just like one to one? Hey, just put it on the Switch and it'll work fine. Or do you think they would have to like? adapt like the ui or the hud for the switch like to accommodate for like the smaller handheld screen uh are there any worries that like you know maybe the font size might be too small if they don't like like big adjustments to it well i feel like it's a like it i feel like it seems like it'll translate to switch pretty well just because the the maps like even on my um computer they are pretty large but you can just like move up and down it's it really is like um imagine like it's very very similar to how fire emblem works the how the grid structure and maps work so um i don't think it'd be too difficult to move along like that and then the text seems like a normal size on my computer at least i don't i can't imagine that they would make it like uh you know absurdly small so okay okay yeah all right uh, that that seems like uh you're all good on dark deity yeah you got it all out believe so yeah okay. cool well you're you're not done because you're like I'm, I'm ready to go this week and you tried out that new uh genshin impact update you and chow and then you're like i haven't you told me i haven't even done the story quest all i've been doing is fishing you know what that's the life right there that seems to be the biggest uh improvement the game has made uh since launch yeah but, i went know. pretty hardcore on fishing <laughs> All right, uh, Jess and Chow, tell me about fishing in Genshin Impact. Okay, oh. well, for me, at first, it's like, when they first announced it, we were still kind of figuring how it would work. So basically, the second you go to, like, collect daily awards or whatever, um, they're like, hey, the fishing association is in town. Go check that out. So then that's it starts, like, this mini quest to get to learn how to fish. And then from there on, you could create your bait from the alchemy table and find different fishing spots throughout the region so it's like you can only fish in certain areas in Bonstadt, Liyue, and Inazuma and then all the other parts you could just you know jump into the lake and casually swim after fish like you've been doing the entire time okay so when it comes to like um uh, making bait through alchemy I, i'm assuming there's like this whole tier system like only this type of bait only uh, attracts this type of fish and then i'm going to assume that better bait equals better types of fish that you're, you're able to catch is that how it works 
I wouldn't say better type of fish, just, just different types. Because right now, there's a, a weapon that you can redeem from one of the fishing associations. Mm-hmm. And that weapon is perfect for Shogun as a free-to-play player. We don't want to fork out like half a, I don't know, half grand for, for the current banner weapon or something like that. So, so is, that like, is, like a, is that like a, a, a true-to-life story, Chow? How much did you get? Uh, go for uh, right in both. No, the I, 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 I didn't. I didn't go that hard. Okay. <laughs> I did get her to C two, but mm-hmm. uh, I, I still had to buy a pack of there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember that with at least the right in one, they refreshed the first purchase bonuses for the gems. Paid gems. Yeah, it was their anniversary. I think everyone in China is kind of mad, saying that the anniversary reward was really stingy because they were giving the free rolls. After the Shogun banner is over, well, of course, of course they are. <laughs> <laughs> right. uh, okay, so is there like any anything besides the fishing? Um, did they add this uh, new update? Like you had Raiden, you had fishing. Was there like any uh, like new activities besides that? Um, there's two new islands. So there is one island to the southeast of Inazuma, and there's one island to the to the west of Inazuma. What happens right now is the west island is feels kind of like incomplete. Okay. I think what's wrong with this current patch is more like the story. It's kind of rushed. If anyone played it, they'll be like, "Oh, if it's like where's the build up? It's just suddenly over kind of thing." Oh. Oh, you bumped on Jazz. <laughs> Should we get to it? Yeah, I don't want to spoil it for Jazz. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I think Shogun's character is very interesting, actually. Like, okay. uh, it reveals her backstory this this patch. But, um, like, what they did with the villain, the Signoria, is kind of. Uh... Oh. So, with the fishing, like, when you're actually doing the mini game, is it like. Is it a very complicated mini game? Like what you're actually doing is like Sega bass fishing, where you're kind of adjusting the arc of like your throw, and then kind of having to, like you know, like wrestle with the fish after you catch it, like kind of near style. You have to go in the op- a directly opposite direction of where it's going or whatnot. I forgot how the near one works, but how how is that end of it? Oh well, um, on the computer at least. I just did. So basically, you throw in, you can like just adjust where you throw it with your like point and click. And then when the fish latches on, you could press left click. And then there's a certain bar, and you need to keep the button down to and like follow the bar wherever it goes. Like it'll go down, and then like you need to let go or hold on depending on where you want. Like a, where you want it to land, so you, that you keep, um, what do you call it? Like there's a po- the pointer within the bar, so it's just like okay. just making sure like you have the right amount of pressure for the rod at all times, and you control it with your left clicker. Um, so, there, so there's like a like a bit of like skill associated with fishing. It's not just like a simple. It's not like in say trails, for example, like in the in the trails in the sky where you put the you, you throw the rod into the water, uh, the, the line and you see the exclamation point, you you click a button, then it's like, okay, you got a fish. So it, it seems to be more, you know, uh, in-depth. Yeah, it's a little bit more of an extended process. But on the bright side, um, the click is more forgiving. So, mm-hmm. like, you don't need, if you don't press it, like, within two seconds, it's not like the fish will leave and then you can't have it anymore. There's actually a set amount of fish in the one fishing area per day. 
So like, for example, Animal Crossing, if you pull too early, then you don't get the fish. Right. Or like, for example, um, if you throw too close, you could scare it away. But mm. here it's like, it'll stay there. You just need to try again. Is that part of your dailies now then? Where like every day, like fish will like reset in a certain region. And then it's like, okay, I'll get my fish for the day. They spawn like in two days. So what happens is that if you run out of fishes, you try to hop in the in the friends world and steal their fish. Oh, right. <laughs> uh, I, I forgot Genshin had this meta of like you have to like hop into other people's worlds. So not only for fish, uh, well for fish now, but back then when I was playing, you would hop into other people's worlds to like get like materials from the world after you've exhausted your own and you don't want to wait. It was like just let me hop into your world and I want to go gather and then go on to the next world. Like a chill, Casually dude. I'm not stealing your wallet. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. Okay. Well, is there anything else besides the Raiden weapon that you can get with the fish? Is there any more tangible benefits or rewards? Um, let's see. What what, what was there? There was uh, fish bait recipes. Uh, I think there's other things too. I just but you're exchanging the you're exchanging the fish themselves, right? You're not like exchange like turning the fish into other materials or whatnot for trading it's like you actually just trade in the fish themselves yeah you just train the fish themselves but the uh, weapon is like, the um, biggest catch well, the weapon I, guess I, also, catch. I guess i should specify also like there's fish that you could um just use as food but also ornamental fish mm -hmm. which are the kind that you exchange but also you could just uh, but also there's some that you could just um put in your teapot house oh like as decoration yeah just like you remember the koi pond thing that we were talking about so okay. there's a certain item that you could build and put it in your teapot and then throw some of your favorite fish in there. <laughs> Does it have uh, that thing where, you know, when you cook in that game, uh, certain characters will be like more attuned to certain recipes? Is that the same way with fishing here, where certain characters will be better at uh, with a certain fishing rod or anything like that? Um, whenever you fish, it defaults to the main character. Like even if you, like for example, if I'm, using catching or fishel. Like whenever you start fishing, it'll just change the main character right then and there and okay. it'll look like him fishing. Okay. Anything else about this Genshin impact patch that any of you want to mention at the moment? Oh, um, one of the things I thought was funny was on the quest, it, it mm -hmm. tells you, the guy is like, so you know how to fish? And then the English text is like, oh, you know, I could just like grab it with my hands. You know, like I said, joke is like, you jump in and swim after fish until, <laughs> like, yeah. it, that's what you did until the fishing came up. Right. <laughs> but yeah, that's well. uh, that's all. <laughs> uh, when, when's the next, uh, I guess, patch coming for Engagement Impact to kind of uh, round out this uh, content drop? Because um, um, probably in about a month and a half. But um, I also forgot to mention. We also forgot about Eloy. From oh yeah, Horizon Zero oh, yeah. Dawn. That's right. <laughs> Did you both get her? Uh, you can um, get her right now, but I'm just—it's like I don't really care about her, so it's like I, I'm just gonna stick with my characters right now. But you could get her right now if you just log into your PlayStation platform, and it'll be on your mailbox. It's just like alloy, nah, -uh. sword booba lady, uh huh. It really makes you think about this chow guy. Man, how's uh? Have you heard anything uh, about Alloy in terms of like uh, how good she is? Uh, what are her honestly? Are? I, I I rarely hear anyone talking about her. I think she's I mean... technically like a four star character, but slightly better. But 
given that she's free, you know, she won't be like gonna be meta changing, right? Isn't she only available for PlayStation originally, and then she's coming to PC and? She will come to everybody for free in yeah. version in the next version. So that's what I heard. Yeah, yeah so I'm just uh, like maybe that's why it's not as popular right now. Because really, like, really who's, who's playing who's playing Genshin on a PlayStation platform, right? Uh, some people do. I know. It's probably a good uh, like a uh, big base. Uh, the, the, that's gonna be man. Uh, I always feel weird mentioning this, like especially like when Adam and I talk about it. It's like, how is Alloy is Alloy gonna be compatible with the uh, Switch version, mythical Switch version that's coming one day? Because <laughs> it's so weird that we're so we're this far into Genshin Impact's lifespan, and they still really haven't acknowledged that. Like they announced the Switch version, it's just they they never mentioned it again after like that January 2020, I think. We announcement. It was just literally a tweet, and we've said this in a podcast yeah. before. But even that like long? we get yes. we get pre- we get press releases from Mihoyo on the game, and they you know all press releases have like boilerplate stuff where they say you know Genshin Impact is an open world action adventure RPG whatever blah 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 for PlayStation PC and mobile devices. Like they will not mention Switch at all. Like they pretend it doesn't exist. It almost feels like so. <laughs> Um, they were struggling with the hardware. Maybe when there's a Switch Pro, maybe we'll see Genshin Impact then. What is going on in that version? <laughs> I don't know. And then it's like, do you know if crossplay is available from Switch? I don't know. I feel like console and PC crossplay always gets kind of wonky. Uh, some P- some Switch games have crossplay. So okay, maybe that's yeah. It's like, it's like Rocket League and like uh, Fortnite and you know big games like that. Yeah, but then you have you have like the weirder situations where you'll have like cross save uh, like like Witcher three also in Civ. Eighties. Okay. Eighties. Oh yeah, yeah. All right, so that's uh, it for Genshin Impact at the moment. Always a developing story. We'll see it again at TGS, which is uh, like at the end of this month, late and then early into October, kind of uh, bleeds into there. Um. I guess I'll talk about uh, just a little game I've been checking out. Um, this came out uh, earlier this week on Steam. It's like a solo dev indie passion project type deal. It's called Mecha Knight's Nightmare. It's one of those just games like, hey, I see a mech, I'm going to go buy it and uh, check this out because there's not enough mech games these days. It's a it's a really, really cool game if you just go into it knowing the context. It's like, hey, this is by a, a solo developer. It's a passion project. Um, it, it's kind of, uh, it's kind of, it, it's okay. It's decent for what it is. You're basically piloting this mech and it's during this second cold war and something goes Ari as like you're invading enemy territory or Ari and, um, and uh, like these like alien life forms, uh, unidentified life forms kind of start attacking you. And it, uh, for people who've, uh, played Muv Love or Muv Love Alternative, you know, it's it definitely kind of riffs on those type of uh, vibes where you know, you're piloting this badass robot against this overwhelming horde of enemies, like just dozens upon dozens of the screen at, at once. And a lot of your missions at the moment, like I'm like maybe seven to eight missions in, and I think there's maybe over 20, I think. But um, the objective is to like, hey, just survive, hold out type of deal. There, there is some mission variety, like uh, where there's like these... This like certain enemy types, like uh, artillery enemy types, where you have to like take like squads, uh, 
uh, take down squads of them and then retreat because like after you took them out, a lot of other enemies started pouring. It's like, hey, you gotta you gotta evacuate. You gotta get out of here. So, so is uh, it like a mission based game? Yeah, it's a it's a, a stage based mission based game. Um, and then as you're uh, going through the these levels, these stages, um, there'll be like drops. Like there'll be like refill your ammo, refill your health. Um, sometimes you'll get like new parts uh, throughout them. So like you can have like different like uh, like different mech heads, mech torsos, arms, legs, uh, all that. And then as you equip new ones, you'll see like very detailed like meters and stats down at the bottom and say, okay, like if you equip this head, like your radar range will be expanded. If you hit equip this torso, it'll uh, put about of this load and weight on your robot. And there's only a certain amount that you can like support depending on like what kind of legs you have. So you put on, you might pick up legs. They're like, hey, you can accommodate for like a lot more load on your robot because there's like a heavier, uh, le- these heavier legs, but at a, as a result, your walk speed may go down and whatnot. You also get uh, cash in this game, uh, either uh, like as drops or by completing a mission, and then you use those to like upgrade like uh, other like stats on the side. So like upgrade like your armor limit, upgrade your energy limit, upgrade your energy charge rate, and then it'll go like into like even minute stuff like uh, uh, upgrade like your recoil, like your kickback, so like you're not. Uh, you're not pushed back so often or like whenever you pull the trigger on a gun um you won't your reticle won't be flying all over the place um that type of stuff and you can unlock like new slots on like active and passive modules that can help you out like passive modules will give you like additional stats like more energy or more armor and uh, active modules are stuff like you can actually activate on the field so like a a supply drop or um uh, boost my uh, booster speed by 30% for this amount of seconds and whatnot. I was and, actually looking uh, at a video for this, and it, this game really, I know you said it, but it really, really looks like Armored Core. Um, yes, it's a, it like, looks, even, yeah, even just like, like, this is just such a simple thing, but this in this video, like the, 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 the player robot or mech shifting left and right, it looks like identical to what an Armored Core game would look like. Uh, and a lot of the stuff you mentioned is also similar to Armor Core in terms of like the different parts and the different you know like weight on the legs yeah. and whatnot. Uh, what you're talking about about like passive stats and things like that and upgrading that seems a little bit different. But uh, yeah, um, but yeah, it definitely seems like kind of maybe in the similar vein to Dark Deity, where some indie developers like they're not making games like this anymore. So I'm gonna make it myself. It feels like this right. person is like Armored Core Five is like. 10 years old now so i'm gonna play i'm gonna make my own armored core uh you know, style uh, game. fair so yeah i i agree i definitely agree with you developer yeah but yeah and, and you know just like an armored core like you have different weapons for each arm so you can have like a gatling gun and a shotgun on different arms or go dual gatling guns or an assault rifle and a machine gun on each arm and then you have like shoulder attachment that can have like missiles or rocket launchers, or like just really big, big as the like machine assault rice, rifles uh, on there to kind of bolster it out. And you have to ma- you have to also make sure that like you're not firing off too much like consecutively because uh, as you are firing off both shoulder and arm weapons, they uh, accumulate heat. And if you fire off too much, they, it'll they'll overheat, and then you have to wait for them to cool down until you can like start shooting them again. So you have to kind of manage that. And also, it it's interesting because 
Like, even though it looks like Armored Core, it it doesn't really op- move or operate like Armored Core in the sense that, like, people who got into Armored Core in the PS3 era with 4 and 4 Answer, now it's, like, one of the most popular Armored Cores in the mainstream. Um, it's not as, like, constantly fast as that. Yes, you have a boost, but it's on, like, uh, it's on a very constrained energy resource, which is, like, in ar- the Armored Core games, you can, like, kind of make it so... You can like infinitely boost and over boost and whatnot. And in this game, I don't think you can have it like as an infinite resource. You can definitely upgrade it a lot, but I don't think you can like constantly be doing that without like uh, without having to like take a break and like make sure that you're not using it. Um, because you, like when you when you go into it, you go into your booster mode, and then in this booster mode, it'll constantly drain your energy. And then as like you saw in that trailer, Adam, like. When you when you sway sideways or back and forth, it'll consume additional energy on top of the energy that's already being drained on that. So you for how I use it, I use it more as like uh, correcting like movement and position, just making sure I'm not yeah. in a bad spot while a lot of like a- enemies like surround me and whatnot. And like I, I'm not kidding you, like that there are literally like maybe like fifty to eighty, maybe over a hundred enemies on screen at once, like at any given time. Sometimes even a bit more, like more open battlefields it's like it it gets really overwhelming but like in, in a really good way like you kind of you have that sense of like feeling of empowerment of like yeah i'm the the thing that i'm like um piloting is like unstoppable and it's like it's it's really cool it's uh i'm really impressed with just uh this as a solo uh indie project it's uh it's, it's quite a neat game it's not it's not uh, being sold at full price it's like 16 or 18 dollars uh, just MSRP. So if you're kind of getting a, uh, an itch for a mech game at the moment and nothing's really delivering at the moment, uh, maybe go check it out. I will say since this is this is still like you know a fairly sm- like you know a small scope game, like it does have like the best production values in sense of like it doesn't like look amazing. You know, it looks decent and like when it comes to like voice acting in the story, even like yeah, getting chatter over your radio and whatnot, it's like the voice acting isn't you know amazing. It is funny uh probably unintentionally funny i don't know what they were going for but it is <laughs> some of the dialogue delivery this game is is a lot but yeah it's uh that's how i've been checking out that i can talk about at the moment and then the other thing i've been working on is you know I'll, we'll see when we can talk about it um james you've been uh you've been putting a lot of time into uh trails into reverie well um, let, let's be clear here. It's um, I've been putting a lot of time into Hajimari no Kiseki. We didn't somehow time travel two years into the future and get an early copy of uh, that, that's the localization. The, uh, that's the officially localized name. So I'm, I'm going to the officially localized well, name now that they've uh, unveiled it. Yeah, I'm, I'm just specifying the Japanese title because yeah. that is the version I'm playing. Yes. But um. So yeah, I've been playing it more. Uh, I'm getting to the point where I really can't talk too much about it because spoilers. Mm-hmm. Though uh, I'd imagine a lot of people that have been following the series have probably been spoiled on a few things, especially if you watched that uh, anniversary concert where the localization got announced. Thanks, Falcom. I have to say I've been enjoying it quite a bit. And I- I'm glad. I'm really glad that's the case because obviously... I don't even have to say it. I had my issues with uh, Cold Steel 4. Part of it was the localization being a bit messy, though that's been fixed up. But a a big portion of it had to do with the actual structure of the game and how messy 
the story was as a whole, whether it was the pacing, the way that the curse was kind of just all over the place. Over time, especially as I've been going through Hajimari, I feel like I can kind of see what they really meant Cold Steel 4 to be. But that ultimately doesn't change my feelings on the game itself, because like even though I can tell, oh, this is what they really meant to do, the game we got is the game we got. <laughs> and yeah. the game itself is still incredibly flawed. Not going to say anyone's wrong for liking it. Obviously, I'm in the, in the uh, minority, at least as far as the Western fan base is concerned. But um, Hajimari, I'm enjoying it quite a bit. The pacing's a lot better. I tweeted out something. Um, you um, the ever well yesterday about basically there was a section where a bunch of characters were like, "Oh, we need to teleport to a specific location with the um, septium veins, well through the uh, septium veins and whatnot." And in Cold Steel Four, they would say, "Oh, well, we need to prepare," and then they would spend like thirty minutes showing how each group was preparing to teleport before they actually teleport, even though that doesn't really add anything to it. And Hajimari, I was expecting that to happen because I've been conditioned by Falcom to expect everything to take a time and a half, even when not necessary. But instead, it just was like, okay, well, my group needs to do some things. This group needs to do some things. Does tomorrow at noon sound good? And then literally the very next scene is they've teleported. And if you're a Trails fan, if you've played enough of the series, what I just said there is legitimately mind-blowing revelation it, it really it shouldn't feels like be. three and four especially but you can maybe argue another like cold Steel one and two as well the fact that it was sort of split into two games they kind of had to or felt the need to you know add that sort of padding in places where it's like we could add you know a few hours of gameplay and kind of fillerish stuff in this moment of the story right here and it really just drags everything down where Hajimari, it feels like they're like, we don't need to do that. So. Yeah, the the overall structure of the game definitely benefits from the cross-story system because everything's more focused. Because in other Trails games, obviously, if they want several like groups to be doing something at the same time, it has to cut around at the game's pace for when you're going to see something. And the way the mm -hmm. cross-story system works is that you're controlling that pacing. And mm -hmm. probably because the game and Falcom knows that it doesn't waste time because any exposition is just going to be in each route and they can set, they can avoid saying things in, let's say Lloyd's route. If your if the information that you would need later is in C's route or Reen's route and Basically, the, the amount of information is the same, but because the game is specifically set up with three different routes at the same time, it's almost like they've been holding back information because they know that that information is going to come into other routes and they don't need to reiterate and it doesn't mess with the pacing as much. That's the read I'm getting. Probably That also probably means that it won't necessarily be fixed in Kuro, though thinking about it, maybe the alignment system means that they'll leave some information out of one alignment route to another hopefully i actually but... forgot that crew had an alignment system that's gonna be something huh yeah it's gonna be interesting mm -hmm. but been enjoying it quite a bit the uh story is actually a lot better than i think people gave it credit for uh one thing that i remembered reading before even playing it is that 
a lot of people said that the story beats didn't make sense or they felt like they came out of left field. But in context, most of the story is actually pretty straightforward and makes sense. It, like even some of the wackier stuff that happens in Hajimari, like when you're actually playing the game and you're understanding what's going on, it makes a lot of sense. And it's straightforward. I feel kind like weird that like games games are seem to be better if you can understand them, huh? Yeah, yep. I feel like broadly, not even talking about Kaseki series, but just broadly, sometimes you'll get a group of people who will look at the quote spoilers, and this is literally like like a bullet point list or something. Like this happens at some point, and then this happens at some point, and it might might not even be full sentences. And then people who haven't played the game or watched the show or whatever it is they'll just they'll just see like these like really quick facts about what happens and be like that doesn't make sense or this is stupid but without like any of the context or build up or anything with it <laughs> so the funny thing about that is like like those those like sentiments are like for some people are that's like their eternal sentiment to it to it and anything that like gets thrown their way to disprove that they'll like twist that to like fit their narrative too that, <laughs> that is what you call a process argument and once you start looking for process arguments where people know their the answer they or know the argument they want to make and will bend the the evidence to support it uh you'll see it everywhere Pretty yeah much. there's definitely been some people that i saw talking about haji mari that were doing that or i guess to put it another way they had major bitch eating cracker syndrome where it's like they didn't like cold steel four for legitimate reasons and so they're so caught like caught in their own like feedback loop of being pissed at the series that they kind of just weren't able to go into hajimari with a with a cool mind or they didn't even play the game so they're basing their outrage off of stuff that they're seeing out of context and another thing that I do want to mention that's not a spoiler is that the presentation I mentioned last time that I felt like that the better animations were kind of cool, but they weren't as uh, much of a big deal as they made it out to be. That's true, but be they it's not just the animations that have been improved. The overall cutscenes themselves and like the way that the camera is used in Hajimari is way more dynamic than than it was in Cold Steel Three and Four. Like there's actual like somewhat similar uh, cinematography with how they want to showcase things and it's really good because that means that these scenes are more engaging and it also keeps you it it's refreshing after all of the text so you have the better pacing in the text you've got better cut scene direction with some really interesting scenes like one one of the scenes i just saw in the last section I played at the end of Reen's chapter 4 route was really cool with some of the stuff they they pulled off there you, and, you mean the camera isn't just like pulled back to show like all thirty people in a room and sort slowly scanning over them as they talk? You mean that still happens? That? Yeah, <laughs> it still happens sometimes. But there's other when when the camera, well, when they actually want to showcase something like in movement, an actual cutscene that's not just uh, talking, it, it it really does uh, make the uh, scenes feel a lot better, and it makes me feel better. Uh, well, it makes me feel more hopeful for uh, Kuro's cutscenes and how they're going to handle things with uh, stuff like that. So overall, I've been pleasantly surprised. I'm enjoying it quite a bit. I'm not sure if we're going to do an actual import review because, well, I'm going to have to talk with Alex about that, see what he wants us to do. But definitely, uh, probably in the next 
week or so, like look forward to my final impressions, something like that. Also, Kuro's coming out like in what four weeks, end of the month, huh? Yeah. Yep, uh, three and a half weeks, and uh, I'm gonna actually be ready to hop right in. Gonna be very interesting to see how that uh, holds up. So, uh, any final thoughts on uh, Hajimari for for now? Um, basically, even if you didn't like Cold Steel 4, go into Hajimari with an open mind because it even if you look at screenshots and the spreadsheet, you're going to think that it's not that different from Cold Steel 3 and 4 and you're going to fall into the trap that, oh no, it's just Cold Steel 5. It's not. When they said that it was more like the third, they were right. It's not the exact same thing, but Hajimari is very much its own can of worms and well, I'm sure there will probably be some people, some weirdos that like it less than Cold Steel 4. I, I really enjoy it. I really enjoyed it so far. I know it's some okay, people, man. Well, I have, I have, I'm of two minds of this. Like, some people that just seem to maybe take the position that if they like the Trail series, they have to like all of it unconditionally. And, <laughs> uh, you know, just like no matter what, they, like if, if for some reason they're like, if, some entry is worse than another it feels like almost a betrayal or, or or what have you so i actually you know appreciate maybe a little bit more of a level take in terms of you know what not all entries are the same um but i also know some people who are like i don't really like trails and trails in the sky the third i'm like what is wrong with you that is like clearly the best one <laughs> yep so uh, um yeah, I mean, hey, maybe time heals all wounds and everyone's wounds will heal by 2023, <laughs> the Western release. <laughs> I'm so sorry, guys. This People listening, they're Trails fans. I, I'm so sorry that I had to be the bearer of bad news that the uh, 2023 release of Trails and Reverie is something you should be looking forward to. All right, um, Adam, you've been checking out this Assassin's Creed of Valhalla, The Siege of Paris, the DLC. Yeah, so I won't take too long on this at all, but um, I'm when I reviewed Assassin's Creed Valhalla earlier this year, I hadn't played any of the RPG like turned Assassin's Creed games, which are Origin, Odyssey, and Valhalla, and I had played some of the earlier ones like the Ezio trilogy, and I just sort of decided, you know what, I've missed like seven entries. Let me just jump in and see what it's all about now, and I kind of came away a bit lukewarm. I don't I don't dislike the game. It's just sort of like maybe this isn't the sort of game I care for a lot. Now, the way Valhalla is structured as a story, it is actually a bit segmented where you go to different regions of England and you're basically each region sort of has its own self-contained story that takes place and effectively what you're doing is you are Ivor and you are uh, or Eivor, and you are recruiting these different kingdoms and like forming an alliance. So each kingdom has its own story. Now, I bring that up because the DLCs in Assassin's Creed Valhalla are, they really just feel like more of that, more of the same. The first DLC was Wrath of the Druid, where you go to uh, Ireland and you basically have a kingdom there and its own self contained story. So it's basically just another one if that makes sense. It's maybe a little bit more involved and the map's a bit bigger, of course, but it really is just another self-contained story that ultimately ends up with a, you know, another kingdom being allied to you. And Siege of Paris... Sorry? Do, do, they, do they introduce, like, any new gameplay systems or, like, any new weapons? Yes, or anything like that? slightly. 
Um, mm-hmm. But Siege of Paris is sort of similar. You go to Paris, and there's another self-contained story there. Again, the DLC stories are a bit more involved, of course, than like just the regions in the main game. But it kind of ultimately has the same sort of feel to it. Um, in Siege of Paris, in terms of its gameplay... It's mostly the same. It does add one an- one-handed swords, which, believe it or not, you could not just wield a one-handed sword in the uh, in Valhalla before. I forgot you could. Have, yeah. Yeah. I think I think they had just like great swords, um, or something. Um, I, I I to be honest, at this point, I have uh, spoilers. I have Thor's hammer. I'm like, I'm not gonna get rid of Thor's hammer. Sorry. By the way, if you didn't realize, Valhalla, Assassin's Creed game has a lot of weird like god and mythical stuff oh. in it. Uh, but anyways, um, one thing that they added in Siege of Paris is who here has played the original Assassin's Creed, the very first one? I have. Me. You have? I have. The one, the one in Jerusalem, right? Yes. Um, and you remember the, the original Assassin's Creed game, you had these assassination like targets, and what you would do before you actually did the assassination mission is you would do like these sort of sub- side events that might open up like a different path or a different route. Yeah. You, or, to, like, you had to learn about your assassinations first before going into it. You had to like, yeah. scope them out. And that, that's a, that's the sort of structure that was dropped quickly in the series, and mm-hmm. I don't I, I've skipped several entries, but I don't know if it's ever made a return in any way. Um, Siege of Paris sort of brings that back in a way. There's three different cases where you have to assassinate a target, and the game is actually pretty explicit about it. It's like you can either work with these, like hide, do some social what do they call it, like social stealth with the peasants or whatnot, and and approach this like festival that there that this person's going to be in for your assassination that way or you could maybe just climb some uh buildings and do some a little bit of uh like platforming almost or parkour or whatever to like get to the point on a on some sort of ledge or roof where you can do the assassination or find this like hidden underground route to get there so it seems like there's a little bit of an emulation of these sort of assassination missions where it's like you can approach it in any way you want. Uh, yeah, to be I, honest, I kind, of, I kind of missed that part about like Assassin's Creed in general. Like, I, like mm-hmm. it, it was like one of the cool things about it, uh, the first Assassin's Creed. It's like, oh, you actually have to like think about how you want to like do these assassination missions because after you assassinate that person, you're going to get chased the fuck out of you. And, and you the first to, like, Assassin's Creed was hard in places too. Like, yeah. in terms of uh, checkpoints, like if you got found or killed because like and you were kind of a wimp to be honest besides assassinations yeah. it's not it wasn't like valhalla where it's pretty much just an action rpg it's like no you you had to stay stealthy um but in siege of paris my character is kind of ridiculously strong at this point and i'm over leveled like these dlcs you're not meant to be end game level and i was just i just brute forced everything like i'm just gonna run walk through the front doors and just pound away so i just did yeah, you have no reason to, yeah you have no reason to be stealthy when you have thor's yeah. hammer it, it is it is really funny that like just the thought like the concept of like th- this game that already has like uh, like a lot of like sword weapon types it's like yeah we're bringing one-handed swords as dlc it's like and that's like usually the, the basic weapon like in any right. types of these games so just like it, it did also <laughs> add funny. it did also add sights so you can have a Ooh, sight. Yeah. all right so those are pretty okay cool. I mean, I yeah, used one very briefly because a quest required me to. But um, um, but yeah, overall, in terms of these Assassin's Creed Valhalla DLCs, I wouldn't say they're like fantastic enough to... If, you're, if you've played Valhalla and you're done with it and you don't want to return to it, it's, like, it's not good enough to be like, you need to boot up your game again. But if you like the game 
and you just wanted to like dive in and just wanted more content to play through, it's pretty much just exactly that. So that's what it is. Now, um, there were rumors that they were going to ha- they're going to add like a third DLC pack because Valhalla is, I believe, the most successful Assassin's Creed game they've ever made in terms of sales. Um, to be clear, that may not be like unit sales, but that game has a lot of microtransactions. Uh, so who knows? But um, there were rumors that they were going to do a third DLC pack, but they haven't ever announced one. So as of this moment, this was the last major content for the game. And apparently the next Assassin's Creed is like this online persistent hub thing. That was a room, or that was a report from Bloomberg, I believe. So we'll see where the yeah. series goes from here. But um, I already forgot what it's called. Like what the project name was. I'm gonna guess Assassin's Creed Universe. I don't know. I'll, I'll think like Infinity, but I don't oh, maybe know. it was Infinity. Same same idea, right? Yeah, uh, well, but it's gonna yeah. turn to Genshin Impact. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> you gotta get your SSR Eivor. All right. That out of the way, that is uh, all the games that we've been uh, playing this week uh, or allowed to talk about this week. And uh, next week, I imagine there'll be a lot of uh, thoughts about Arise uh, since that'll be out next Friday uh, before the start of this podcast. Um, so article shoutouts. We have uh, uh, quite a few for article shoutouts. Uh, Alex uh, has a, a, a double whammer here. He talks. Uh, he spoke with the developers of the upcoming Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy game, uh, basically inquiring, you know, we're RPG site. How RPG is this game? So you can go read that. Um, the 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 Sparks notes for this is uh, uh, there are RPG elements, but it's an action adventure first. So maybe not as heavily RPG as some people might want it to be, like us. But, you know, there will still be, like, skill trees, I suppose, in that game. So, yes, there will be RPG elements, but not so much like an RPG game. So you can go check that out. And then to uh, celebrate uh, Final Fantasy XIII, um, was it coming to Game Pass? I, I believe that was. Yeah, it um, came to Game Pass with an updated uh, PC port. Right. So uh, Alex also uh, wrote an article kind of looking back on FF13 and, you know, how the older it gets, the more it, uh, he appreciates it. I still have fond memories of FF13 as well. It definitely had problems, but I, I still liked it. Yeah, so for those who what... aren't aware, the Final Fantasy VII Remake team pretty much is the Final Fantasy Thirteen team. Um, yeah. So there, there is similarities there in terms of who is literally behind the game and making the decisions. Um, and even in like game design philosophy, is there some similarities too? My FF13 take is kind of the standard classic one. I don't really like the guided sections early on, and not and I don't just mean the maps. I also mean like what parties you can use, what paradigms you can use, how you level up your characters. It's I remember, it's, remember like there are like hard level caps on every. Yeah, single it's just so guided early on. I, I feel like I'm barely even a player. I feel like I'm just. It might as well have just been like a movie. Um, uh, but I do like the game, like legitimately, when it gets to Pulse. And not just because, when I say gets to Pulse, I don't just mean like the location of Pulse. I just mean at that point in the game, the game literally like unshackles you. And it's like, all right, change your party, change your equipment, change your 
you know, you can go in any direction. You can try different things. You can take on optional bosses and optional fights and things like that. And yeah, it just like becomes a game at that point. Yeah, and then you look at the gameplay timer by the time that comes out too. It's like, it's like oh, oh wow. it's 20 hours later. So that's my take. It's a pretty old classic take, but I do like the game at that point. Yeah, I was, I was really excited for that game too, like uh, around release, because I, I I was one of those people that like like I I went to that GameStop release launch for it, like because uh, I had a pre order and I got like the game and then like the super limited edition like strategy guide for it because I like to collect these strategy guides back then for the art. So I was I was pretty excited. Like I it wasn't like amazing, like but it was it was decent. I, I imported the game right when it came out, and I actually enjoy it. I, I love the battle system. I just didn't enjoy the story and how there's a lot of like story reference that aren't explained in the game, and they want you to either read the data logs or buy these novels that are only in Japan exclusive. It's like, where do I even get this stuff? Hey, yeah, man, so- look, uh, why, why, why does this game get flack for that, but Dark Souls gets a pass? What the hell, so, man? You- I, I have two minds of this. I hate games that are overly exposition where they kind of have to literally just explain everything to you like like a textbook or what have you and i like it when games when they talk in universe where characters who already understand like yes these are the rules of this world are already aware of it but there is a balance and i feel like final fantasy 13 does if you want to understand what's going on there's not enough context in the game itself to really get that you kind of have to go into the data log and like read up on it and that's where it's like all right maybe you need to you need a little bit more context or clues around things to to have it make sense you shouldn't you, know, you shouldn't require people to be an expert on the world before they inter- before they even interact with the world so yeah yeah the balance and then uh, Paige uh, also wrote a preview for Koromon, the Pokemon-esque uh, monster-catching RPG for uh, PC and mobile devices early next year. It looks quite adorable. Uh, she seemed to uh, enjoy her time with it. And yeah, if people are wanting uh, more Pokemon-type games, especially ones that like kind of remind them of the Game Boy Advance era like art, associated with it uh Coromon is looking to be uh pretty cool oh yeah that's also um dark deities from the same place freedom games oh same publisher yeah freedom yeah. games uh i don't i think they're pretty new as an indie publisher they just sort of appeared earlier this year and they do a lot of um they, they're an indie publisher so they're, they're they kind of latched on to all these you know independent projects and are publishing them yeah there's lots of promising stuff coming out of there is what i mean what i'm saying <laughs> All right, we're moving on into the main headlines uh, this week, and uh, heading it is uh, TGS Tokyo Game Show 2021 is coming up. Uh, they're back. Uh, they had an online-only event uh, last year. They'll be the same uh, this year. They had a whole stream, like kind of outlining, you know, who they'll have and like a preliminary list of like what uh, what uh, publishers and companies will show up there and what ga- some of the games they might show off. And Square Enix, has, uh, of course, is coming to TGS, and they'll have a whole lot of RPGs that we are looking forward to, like Project Triangle Strategy, Stranger of Paradise Final Fantasy Origin, Guardians of the Galaxy, FF7 The First Soldier, that's the Battle Royale mobile game, and then, of course, FF14, because Endwalker is coming soon. Uh, they also list a Neo the, the World Ends With You, so maybe we'll hear something about the PC port of that that oh. you know, still has yet to release. 
Bravely Default 2, which is, uh, I think that came out of PC this week. Yeah, or was it was a couple days ago. Week? Yeah, I forgot. And Outriders. So, yeah. Um, TGS. Where, where are we at on that? It's definitely an event that's, uh, well, it's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm excited to hear more about Project Triangle tra- Strategy to see if they'll have a new name or not, or just Triangle Strategy uh, and Stranger of Paradise. I really want to see more Stranger of Paradise. I like the demo a lot. Oh, yeah. I guess I had thought that they would say something about Project Triangle Strategy at E3, but they didn't. So I guess um, maybe this time will be the time. All right, so what are we predicting for that? Are we predicting a final name for that game? And are we are we hoping for a release date? It's like, when, when did that demo come out, that first one? March, probably. Is it March? Was it this year, really? Oh. I felt like that was a last year thing. Maybe it was this year. <laughs> I don't know how time I really did feel like it was like a long time ago. It does. It was like February. Oh, my God. <laughs> Yeah, I, that was that was a pretty interesting like showcase for that because it introduced like you know some of the characters, how the battle system would work with the HD two D engine because it's a tactics game, and also like kind of like the branching path of it. Like I, I think, I, well, it seems weird, but what I really liked about it is like the whole voting system. Like you're trying to get votes on your side to like decide on a make an informed decision on how to proceed and whatnot. They had a, I, I wonder how big that'll be in the game like how much of an impact that'll make in the in the narrative of that game but yeah i'm i, I really hope that we get a, a finalized name i really hope it's just triangle strategy to just fuck with people and um oh, yeah it's like you know, taking bets on what the new name, name is gonna be <laughs> yeah because they because when octopath traveler was first announced they uh, they announced that as project octopath traveler i think right yep. oh just, okay yeah they just dropped the project it's like yeah this is the name so if you just have a, a game name of just triangle strategy, I would really like that. I think a problem is, or if you want to call it a problem, is that especially for a game that gets enough attention, which if it's a Square Enix game, that's like a classic revival it's going to, right? Uh, then, you know, a bunch of websites, a bunch of search results and everything are already using the earlier name. And you're almost yeah. like handicapping yourself a bit if you change it, because then you're just going to mess up like your search results and, you know, people like trying to find information on the game or what have you. It's just, it, it, I think that even just some logistics like that, it almost just makes sense. Like, let's just keep it however odd I wonder it might if they be. Care, though. That's the thing, right? I wonder if like, like the, the ones who are responsible for that and like had the final say, I wonder if they care about like SEO type stuff, because like when Sega was deciding between Judge Eyes and Judgment, you know, yeah. like that was like, we I mean, don't care. <laughs> like even though Judge Eyes is like more memorable and distinct, like Judgment is maybe sounds cooler for the Western audience. I don't know. And then I would have just... picked Judge Eyes. <laughs> Let me see. If I type Judgment into Google, does it? Uh... Actually, if I, if I do type Judgment into Google, um, mm-hmm. On the main page, it does like a drop down, and it does actually say like "judgment video game." Like, is this what you meant? Um, I, I wonder you... if like that's tailored to like what you're already like. Maybe do it... your search result trends. Oh, actually, if I do type "judgment" into Google, the the uh, main results are like literally just the definition of the actual word "judgment," but on the sidebar, it actually does bring up the video game. So maybe. <laughs> maybe. Yeah, I don't know if I buy it. So yeah, the, um, I don't know. Has Square Enix announced like a, a time for? Yeah, they have announced um, their official stream is at uh, October first, 
at uh, 1900 Japan time. There's a bunch so, of streams on October 1st. Yeah. yeah. So, like, Capcom has a stream. Um, I don't know what we expect from Capcom. There's, like, a Monster Hunter Rise port. Uh, they have a few games in development. I forget. What's the space one called again? Uh, I forget. Agmata? Yeah. I think. Uh, Koei Tecmo has a stream where Koei Tecmo, they say, like, they're going to be showing Blue Reflection, uh, one of their what is it sengoku games or whatever it is and yeah, they, they do showing, have a t- uh, they do have a tease where they say like question mark so they're going to be announcing something yeah so they like for that we take most two shoes once on nobunaga's ambition and dynasty warriors nine empires um yeah and then the, the one that you were referring to is blue reflection second light and then they have an unannounced title um modern name has a stream but it's it, the stream seems to be focused on idol master which yeah that's modern name co but uh I was hoping to maybe yeah. get Digimon news or something else. Um, yeah, I, I don't know about that. Like, I remember, remember uh, E3 Bandai Namco. They only focused like House of Ashes or something, and then people uh, really let down. So um, yeah, I hope Bandai Namco has more than that for TGS. But we'll see. I mean, it would make sense if they only focus on Idol Master because that's releasing very soon in Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, um, it'll just be the. The usual grind of like having ten streams up uh, simultaneously, following them, and they're all in Japanese, and they're like, "Well, are they cool? Show you off something cool?" So now, the, before the usual... TGS, actually several weeks before TGS, I believe it's just next week. Sony has a stream. A oh 40 yeah, minute, forty minute showcase on PlayStation Five games, and this is not like a Japanese stream; it's a worldwide stream. So maybe we'll see stuff on horizons already got a date but maybe they'll show horizon obviously there's god of War ragnarok sitting around but like people are wondering okay square enix has a few they have a couple of playstation 5 exclusive games announced for spoken and final fantasy 16 so maybe one of those will show up um did they did they stop mention if third parties are going to show up actually or they just said nothing at all i don't think they've said anything but uh it seems like especially those two square enix games they seem to have you know that playstation link linkage if you if you will. So who knows? Maybe they won't show up. I do know they said, or they, uh, Yoshida, the producer of the game, implied that Final Fantasy 16 won't be a TGS, but this stream is technically not TGS, so maybe they'll show something. Uh, maybe just that's just wishful thinking. Uh, when is that stream? Let me uh, pull it up here. That is September 9th at 4 p.m. Eastern Time. So. Okay. Well, uh, hopefully all everyone's hopes and dreams and wishes all come true on that stream. <laughs> That's uh, all right. So moving on, uh, they showed off gameplay for uh, the new uh, 2K for Axis games, the Marvel's Midnight Suns. Uh, you, you and I have watched a reveal stream, uh, gameplay reveal stream for this. Um, it was pretty cool. I'm. Uh, they they showed off that the gameplay is going to be uh, you can take up up to three of the Marvel superheroes, including like your own uh, custom character, and you send them into battle. And it's of course like a tactical grid based RPG. No, I don't think it's grid based, but it's a tactical turn based RPG. But the actions are done via like uh, a card, card battle system. system. Yep. Yeah, like Slay the Spire. So a lot of like, hey, you have this deck of cards, and they might uh, this card might inflict like a certain ailment on this character and then that ailment uh, maybe a, another character can capitalize on that uh ailment or uh, whatnot 
um, you know, they showed off, uh, yeah, just gameplay of it, like the first gameplay. What did you think, Adam? I think it looks pretty cool. I am not in a Marvel at all. Like, I have not seen mm-hmm. any MCU movie, but uh, right. I think it looks like a pretty cool. I like tactical RPGs. It looks like it's not just it's not just XCOM with Marvel characters. Although, although I knew, do know some people who kind of wish it was because they just like XCOM so much, right? It it seems like its own take. Uh, it's got like it does have a little bit of seems like like real time movement, but in a turn based system, you know. Uh, several tactical games kind of have that system where you might be able to move and and attack in a, in a turn. You have your three characters. You have this card system that adds, will add a little bit of randomness to your to your strategy. Of course, you can't just you kind of have you're at the whim of the cards to some extent in terms of what abilities you have available to you. We, there's lots of different characters. You they, they they announced there's 13 total characters. I think we know of 11 of them. So there's two more coming. I do know some people seem to be disappointed that they they seem to have remembered that like oh yeah this was always a tactical game it's not a it's not a third person action game. <laughs> people have a third person action RPG. They have it in two flavors. They can have Marvel's Avengers. There's your action RPG. You could also have that Marvel Future Revolution mobile game. That's an action RPG. So and then you know, there's the Guardians of the Galaxy is action adventure uh-huh. with some RPG. Uh-huh. But yeah, so, it, mean, as a tactical I'm... game, it looks this game looks pretty interesting. Uh, there's also this uh, character relationship system in the base. Yeah. They call it the Abbey, which is an, a, I, I gather this is like a new location. This isn't actually uh, from anything. It's not an adaptation. Yeah, yeah, this is like a new base location where you can. It, it almost felt like Hogwarts or something to me. Where it's like you can do training or you can do you can hang out with, with your with your hero friends. Uh, unfortunately. They're, they're, they're like... There is no romance. There is no romance. Can't date Iron Man. There's no romance, but uh, the you can become very, very, very good friends. Is what he said. I think (laughs) very close friends. Yeah. So whatever the fuck that means. Hopefully, I can have like Wolverine thinking of me as he's like about to like sleep or something on the bed. But it does seem to have one of those systems that seem pretty common these days, where you bond with your with these other characters, and then based on your bond. That might affect how they perform in battle when you're like playing with these two characters alongside each other. So we'll see how that turns out. Um, they didn't do yeah, much else because, like, every like I I still have questions about like deck customization and like kind of the nitty nitty gritty details. So that's obviously there's still some. And it's, this game's not going to be out till March of next year. You're going to say something, Jess? My bad. Oh, um, I mean, when I thought about it, I was like, so it's like social links, but. Marvel, right? You know, like kind of like Scarlet Nexus Bond episodes or like Fire Emblem yeah. stuff. Dude, I I saw. I think my biggest wish for this game is I, I hope that Abbey location is like the Scarlet Nexus base where like you can just like gift Iron Man all these like little tools and it'll just like he'll just be a mess in the Abbey of like his little corner. It's just like <laughs> that's what I want. Oh yeah, I, want... I feel like that club was like the hideout was like every roommate's nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> now I just wish like yeah. Uh, that's all that's what i hope for it's like oh i'm gonna like give all these demon puppies to ghost rider and he'll just have like a massive horde of demon puppies in his corner of the abbey it's like what are you doing dude one thing that is kind of uh interesting from maybe a character or story perspective is that like your player character he's not really the player character because you sort of play as all of them but like in the abbey you have the hunter which is kind of you the you is basically uh the player character is 
apparently has been sleeping for hundreds of years and they actually the, the other heroes like wake you up for help because you're the one who has a connection to Lilith. Again, I have no idea who Lilith is. I don't know Marvel, but uh your character is supposed to be like the veteran in a way in terms of like people revived you to get your help um rather than, you know, the other way around where you're sort of like the newbie in these sorts of things. Yeah. But, yeah, it chops a lot. Like it's, a, it's like an inverse of that. I always hate being like, "Hey, you're the newbie, so yeah. here's how you do everything. Here's the world explanation." So like, I, I I appreciate that they're like your character is integrated like in a very vital way. Like uh, like the setup for the hunter is like you're the offspring of Lilith, and Lilith Lilith is on a rampage again, and like you're the only one who knows how to basically stop your mom. So essentially, so. oh, actually. I remember that the protagonist is also. I don't think they have a canon appearance. Like you get to customize them. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so you, you, can, you can argue that maybe their canon appearance is how they appear in like the key art, which is like you know a woman uh, with black okay. hair and like a ponytail, I guess. But um, seems like you can customize them pretty, pretty readily. Yeah. Oh so yeah. I, yeah. I, I do wonder like how what kind of like powers you'll be able to get them and how that they'll synergize. So, I, like, it's probably the most interest I've had in a Marvel game, like, in, like, you know, the, the Spider-Man games on the PlayStation platforms are cool, but, like, in terms of, like, what I really like out of games, like, a turn-based RPG with, like, a card system like Slay the Spire with Marvel superheroes um, sounds really, really enticing, especially because the roster has, like, Ghost Rider and Blade, like, just, like, and Magic and just heroes you don't really see much in, Mar in Marvel games these days anymore. And for our purposes, this Marvel game is the most RPG of them. So it's the one we'll be maybe focused on most because of that. Yeah. So um, let's see. Oh, yeah. Um, Sega has uh, outlined a whole bunch of Lost Judgment DLC and uh, special editions. They uh, shared a DLC roadmap um, at launch. You will have like I don't know all these like item bundles like the detective essentials, and then you'll have more detective dogs, more girlfriends. That's right, more girlfriends, additional girlfriends. Um, you know, and a new skateboard and skate park. Um, let's see what else. And October twenty sixth, I think that is. They'll they'll have a school stories expansion pack, and then that'll have new motorcycles, new uh, school stories. Obviously, more robot cars, more boxing. I yep. guess. Yeah, yeah. Like the, the launch pop. pack also has more Sega Master System games. Did, did, did they outline what, what those additional ones were? Uh, the Japanese release did. Um, so Sega Japan like outlined more specifics on these DLCs, where Sega of America was just kind of like broader descriptions of of it. So the uh, the the um, Master System games are Fantasy Zone Fantasy Zone Two, Alien Syndrome, SDI. I don't know what that is. And then Darius 2, and I remember that one's interesting because I guess Darius 2 has never been released in Japan before. Really? So, oh, that's, that's weird. Yeah, so oh. that was a game that was you know on the Sega Master System in the West but not in Japan, so it's like they actually mentioned in the Japanese press release the sequel yeah. to Darius um, will be recorded for the first time in the Japanese version. So... And I think the most... Uh, the biggest one out of this whole DLC roadmap that I'm sure a lot of people are looking forward to is... Uh, so spring of next year, you're gonna have a brand new story, and you'll have you'll be able to play as Kaito, uh, uh, Yagami's like partner, uh, essentially. So he'll be a playable character. He'll be the main character in that story expansion, 
and then they're saying it's approximately 10 hours of additional content i think the the wording was weird on this one because um like there's a special edition of this game that's like expensive that uh, for the meantime that's the only way you'll, you'll be able to get this uh, new kaito content but we assume that this will be sold separately at some point right? yeah the, the the way they put it is that uh the kaito file story expansion is available in spring 2022 for digital ultimate edition pre-orders that's it that's what they put it so it's like you have to pre-order the digital ultimate edition to get access to it i doubt that's the case but in terms of what they've written down that's all they've said um so if you want if you buy like a standard edition of the game and you want to get this version later i'm sure that will be possible but in terms of pricing and maybe availability they haven't really said yet yeah that's well i mean that's yeah, one way to the original oh, ju- i know the original judgment had some dlc but it didn't have any sort of like expansion at all right i don't think so like because i remember like the judgment dlc was just kind of like, yeah, like drones right yeah, yeah like and, for the drone uh, races or something yeah small yeah, stuff yeah, like, yeah, small stuff for, like a mini games but nothing like uh, no, there's like no story dlc from what i recall um i wonder if, whole... i wonder if the game will have like a final fantasy 15 syndrome where kaito will just leave the story at some point <laughs> it'd be like what's going on with kaito find out when you play the expansion <laughs> yeah it's uh they're they're really adding a lot especially like this the boxing combat style to the streets so it's kind of like adding like a fourth style like uh, to take yeah. with you i guess and weird weird um so th- this one uh was kind of early on in the week uh there's a bloomberg report uh that uh, was uh, said that uh, Toshihiro Nagoshi, you know, obviously a lot of people know him for the Yakuza series, including Judgment. Um, and then uh, he's apparently in final negotiations to leave Sega for NetEase Games. That's wild. That's crazy. Yeah. So um, NetEase is a ch- is a Chinese developer. They primarily do mobile games but they have been trying to expand into console games. And this is one of those things I wasn't aware of, at least not intimately before this announcement, but people have now started looking into it, obviously. NetEase last summer, in June 2020, they announced at least two new studios in Japan. Um, So they're Chinese developer in Japan that want to focus on console games. One of them is Sakura Studios. I forget what the other one's name is. And this is this is an initiative on their part to basically grow out of their... NetEase primarily does mobile stuff uh, or like browser online stuff. And they want to do like console style games. And obviously Japan has been doing this for quite a while. And they feel that Nagoshi has proven himself to be, you know, the leader of a major publisher's franchise console style role playing game. And they feel like he would be great to head off this new initiative so that seems to be what this is all about is that NetEase is trying to expand and they're basically trying to hire people they believe can lead this expansion and they believe Nagoshi is the person to do that uh, I don't blame them Nagoshi is one hell of a creator you know um, just it would be I, I don't know it, it, it seems very very it feels like a big blow to Sega if he just left because uh, Nagoshi has really created something special with like the just with the RGG Studios output. Okay, so uh, I looked it up because I felt bad I couldn't remember. So NetEase, they have established uh, Sakura Studio, which is based in Tokyo. 
And they've also established, I might mispronounce this, it's O-U-K-A, so Uka Studio in uh, Shibuya. So that's actually like uh, two studios in Japan, in major cities, that they're basically, they're established in the same month. So this is probably where Negoshi would go were he to accept this offer. And presumably, they are offering him a lot of money to do this. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah, man. No, man, make that money. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, this, he's come a long way. He's had one hell of a journey ever since, like, you know, his uh, early roots as a super monkey ball. Super creator. monkey ball. Hell, yeah. So, no um, if, if it's true, you know, I mean, best of luck to whatever Negoshi does in the future. You know, he's definitely proven himself. And it'd be interesting to see where RGD Studio goes from here uh, without Negoshi. Um, the, the, just, re- just recently, you know, like, Negoshi had like a big promotion at Sega. I forgot the exact position. Then like he kind of stepped down from that, and now he's kind of hey, we'll see what if he goes to Netties, what what he'll do from there. He'll probably make really great things. Continue to make really great things. So yeah, um, well we'll see how that that, that unfolds and whether it's official or not. Um, what, are, what are some <laughs> games that Netties have made, and and they're not the type of games that we typically focus on. I think um, MMOs. I think. Oh, they. I have heard of uh, Onmyoji. That's like a Japanese, like a traditional Japanese mobile game. Uh, apparently, mm-hmm. they did that, or they did at least a Onmyoji game. There might be more than one. Uh, Warbound Storm. Uh, they have a Marvel game. Marvel Super War um, is a Netties game. Yeah, I, I've I've heard of some of these games. Like, uh, yeah, Onmyoji for sure. I've I've heard of Identity V. I think I, I don't. Yeah, so there, I, I think. So, this is this is exactly it. They they focus on like the, sort of these online free to play types of games, which honestly yeah. probably like I know Own Me OG has actually done really well, even though you don't hear about it too often. Oh, there's a game called Knives Out, unrelated to the movie, um, and that I know also done pretty well as a that sort of style of game. But this is exactly it. They want to expand into more of the console space, the stuff that we happen to focus more on. Um, yeah, that, that, that's like a that's a a trend happening in these types of spaces. Like uh, traditionally, like mobile free to uh, free to play developers want to expand more into console uh, side games. For example, like the Grand Blue developers, like they they wanted to, they really want to push into console. They they had Grand Blue Fantasy versus, and then they have Grand Blue Fantasy really still uh, incoming. Like, you know, they want to have a bigger presence in that uh, market. So it's just kind of a, a whole initiative. Like hey. Not just console, maybe PC as well, and yeah, just kind of capitalize on that. That there's a there's a, a way. There's a there's a lot more people in the world than just mobile players, essentially. Mm-hmm. So interesting to see. Interesting times. Um. So next up, we have new Shin Megami Tensei Five screenshots showing off Gohei, which is kind of that Devil Summoner looking dude from the recent trailer Nuwa, which is like the demon in a red dress uh fusion negotiation skills um it's what you would expect out of a shin megami tensei game. i think it's kind of funny that much. now they're introducing like negotiation and fusion because those are the like those are the really common mechanics that every smt game has so besides the digital I mean, level saga but um uh, I mean, negotiation is still influenced by the moon phases. So, like, if it's a full moon, there's some demons you can't talk to because they've got insane by the full moon and whatnot. 
Um, there's, the, there's a screenshot with Mothman. He's like, I'm looking for the moon. Where's the moon? Oh, the full <laughs> Mothman. Really good Mothman, Mothman emoji that we added to our uh, Discord channel. I don't understand the time. Mothman meme. Muito real. Muito real. So cool. I, I hear the translation. So, uh, oh, yeah. Um, the office fell off, you know, what you'd expect for a Shin Megami Tensei game in terms of, like, fusion. You can, uh, see, like, the result of the fusion, um, when you're fusing two to four demons and whatnot. Um, you can, uh, transfer skills uh, freely. Um, yeah, but, uh, I mean... Sega or Atlas, as well as Nintendo, they're, like, heavily promoting this game. You know, new trailer or info or something. Yeah. It feels like every other week, at least. Um, and... SMT is obviously uh, the, it's kind of the older brother of Persona, but not as popular as Persona. But um, because this game has been in development for a while and it seems like it's had a lot of effort put into it, they're maybe hoping that like they can kind of ride, you know, Atlas's now after the release of Persona Five. Like Dude. Atlas is a much more household name, maybe. Where you know what like, they're doing. They're doing uh, the Monster Hunter Stories 2 approach. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, the first Monster Hunter Stories did not sell great uh, being on 3DS, but after the release of World, Monster Hunter Stories 2, I believe, is in some metric the best, most best selling Japanese RPG on PC in some metric. Weird. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, they're, it seems like they're going all out for, you know, SMT5 in terms of like, hey, this is. This is what we've been working on, and this is cool. Yeah. Speaking they're, they're... of Atlas, though, uh, supposedly the first of the Persona 25th anniversary announcements is this month, maybe. Uh, TGS feels a little bit late for that, because that's literally the last day of September, so maybe we'll hear something in the next week or two? I don't know. I remember that PlayStation 5 event uh, coming oh, up soon. Persona 6 huh? is going to be announced. Huh? I feel like they or, wouldn't announce Persona Six quite yet. Okay. I feel like that feels a bit be. too early. I feel though, like but... so this this Persona Twenty Fifth Anniversary th- event is taking place over the course of a year, and they say they have like seven announcements. I have to imagine with the with the last announcements like literally next summer. I have to imagine Persona Six is what they're going to kind of lead up to, and at that point, SMT Five will be out. Atlas won't have any major games in development, and, or that we know of, and then that will be their sort of like reveal at that point. All right, all right. How about- Persona 1 on PS5. Persona 3 Remastered. Yeah. Who knows? Remake. Straight, straight PS1 port to PS5. That's the announcement <laughs> next week. The straight PS1 port. Jeez. Please be excited. <laughs> please, please be excited. I'm excited. I'm already hey, excited. Just get it for the soundtrack. <laughs> uh, here we go. Demon Gaze Extra is coming out uh, in North America and Europe on December 9th. Uh, this is uh, going to be uh, localized or being brought over by Clouded Leopard Entertainment, which is uh, it, who is best well known for their partnership with Falcom when it comes to releasing the Chinese uh, releases of the Fails games on PC. Um, and now they're going to be releasing uh this uh, like enhanced version of demon gaze that was previously a vita exclusive was... right yes i believe that released in japan like today or very right around now um okay so so basically demon gaze is developed by experience experience if you know them you know them they are 
a dungeon crawler developer in Japan. So they do the they do like the wizardry style, first person, step by step, grid based, you know, party dungeon is it crawler. Because, because I'm looking at our uh, entry, it's a developer's cattle call. Yes, you are correct. Experience made the original game. It was published okay. by Katakawa originally, and Katakawa is a developer that have previously gone through NIS America in the past um, for games like God Wars, for games like, um, oh shoot, <laughs> I'm forgetting some other Katakawa games. Um, but Katakawa more recently has um, been using Clouded Leopard Entertainment as their localizer, and their Clouded Leopard Entertainment is also bringing over Relayer, which is a mecha right. strategy RPG also from Katakawa. So it seems like Katakawa Games is no longer relying on NAS America, and they might be relying on this Chinese-based company to do these localizations. However, Demon Gaze was originally localized by NAS America. I imagine the localization isn't changing. It seems like they're even keeping the English dub that that game got, um, wow. which is sort of surprising. Sometimes they just drop them yeah. but, um, for rights or what have you. But uh, this, this redo is made by Cattle Call, and Cattle Call uh, is a Japanese developer that has done uh, a handful of things. Um, they did the uh, Metal Max Zeno. Um, <laughs> Wait, was that, that like that, like the original or Reborn or both? Both, I think. <laughs> but um, speaking of Metal Max Zeno, that's coming out next year by P Cube. That's weird. Yeah, so. It's, it's it's just like a labyrinth of like rights and who is able to do what. I don't think and... Metal Max Xeno has been announced for localization, or the second one hasn't been announced for localization yet because that hasn't even come out in Japan yet. It's kind of weird. Um, it's, it's it's weird when you get these Japanese or Chinese companies that are developing games that don't have a Western like branch. Like obviously, Atlas Games are going to come out of Atlas uh, West now. They're called. You know, Bonnie Namco, Square Enix, you know, NIS Games, even Idea Factory and all that. But when you get like developers like Katakawa, they just sort of give it to somebody to localize, right? Uh, as for the game itself, I think Demon Gaze is all right. It's not my favorite of Experience's games. It's got some weird balancing, but they did mention in the, re in the press release for this redo that they actually are addressing that. Yeah, the, I'm I'm kind of skimming over it right now under the send the press release. And Demon Gaze Extra, various elements have been tweaked, including the addition of high speed battle function, a retry function, an enhanced autopilot function, and then they're saying it's like, they're they're saying that the autopilot function. I'm not sure what the autopilot function does. That's where you like literally open the map, you click on a spot on the other side of the map, oh, and, okay. and your character will just move there on his own. Okay. Not not like yeah. a warp, but literally just like path their way there. Um, I will and then warn people that this is a very anime game for, you know, you can get my meaning. It kind of just has a bunch of bullshit in it. It's just how it is. <laughs> so, so I guess, I guess the, like the first like inkling we'll have of like how clouded Leopard, uh, entertainment does as like, a a publisher and like localization. Well, maybe uh, the thing is the localization's been done already. So yeah, yeah. But, but I'm, I'm talking about like the the first like, but our first inkling of like yeah. how they fare is not with Demon Gaze extra, but it's is with Relayer instead. Mm -hmm. This so. game is apparently getting a physical release in the West. So Clouded Leopard Entertainment, uh, at least has the avenues in place to do that. But there's coming to actually, for, to actually yeah. distribute it. 
physically. Yeah, there's, there's coming to PS4 and Switch only, no PC release. Correct. It's actually okay. one of the only experience games that isn't on PC, not even the original. So. Oh. Uh, well, okay. So, let, so, let me just say one more thing about the game because it's yeah. one of the things that I think is like legitimately interesting on paper. It's just not executed greatly. What Demon Gaze's gameplay, like, uh, you can call it a gimmick or you can maybe call it like it's what it's trying to do novel is that you have your party of characters that you create. Like, you're, 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 it's like an adventuring squad. You create their classes and their races and everything, right? Like a typical dungeon crawler. But yeah. you also recruit a demon. And there's like 12 different demons in the game that sort of work alongside your party as sort of a tertiary member, but you don't control them. They kind of act on their own. And different demons do different things. For example, the one that I always remember is Mars, because Mars is a demon who is basically your DPS, your damage dealer. They do these big attacks, these big hits. They do a lot of damage, so they're genuinely useful if they do, if they are acting smart and doing, and you know, acting like doing the right things, but you don't have control over them. So sometimes they just do stupid stuff like waste time. And I kind of find that interesting that you kind of have like this tertiary member of your team that kind of just acts on their own. And sometimes they can be really helpful and sometimes not at all. But uh, sometimes you just really need them to do a certain thing and they refuse to do it. It's like, come on, <laughs> Mars, what are you doing? And there's also like another demon that heals you. So things like that. It keeps you uh, invested and interested. It keeps you on your toes. <laughs> it's like it's, it's, that, it's, it's like that card system, right? It's just random. You don't know what you're gonna get. There's, sometimes uh-huh. it's very useful, but um, right. But well, yeah. In December. Speaking of RNG elements, uh, we have a release date for World Flipper coming, getting worldwide release on September eighth. Uh, this was re- originally released in Japan in November 2019. That's now finally coming out uh, throughout the world. Um, this is like the the pinball action RPG. So yes, you are basically your party members. Your party members of like I think four, three or four. Um, they are like the balls that you're flipping around and uh, flinging towards targets. I played uh, this uh, a good chunk of when it uh, released in Japan. So I'm kind of looking forward to this release. Um, I wonder if, if I'll stick with it or not, but. Uh, this is by Sitale, which is a subsidiary of Psy of Psy Games, so they have that backing. And if this is being uh, published and released by Cacao Games worldwide, um, so if anyone is looking forward to this, uh, this is your chance. Uh, give it a try. Um, I'll check it out and see how it goes, and see if they made like if they brought any of the improvement quality of life improvements over from the Japanese version to the global release. Um, let's see what kind of um, how it'll fare. It's a, it's a really, it's a sort of, it's pretty unique as far as, uh, as the genre goes. Uh, and, but the, it's a, it's a gotcha game. So be aware. I just remember uh, just like a lot of drama with the game when it first started because they nerfed one of the elements as soon as like, was it this event came in or something like that? Yeah. That there's basically like the wind element, uh, had like a really broken, like, thing that they could do with some of the weapons that you could upgrade so they were kind of unstoppable and made like a lot of the content um meaningless because you can kind of just use uh, exploit that so they they didn't nerf the characters they nerfed like a weapon because if they nerfed the characters it would be violating a law actually so um I, there was drama behind that it, it, it kind of it's still going in japan I don't, I don't know how well it's doing i assume it's doing well if it's still alive um 
but that, that my memory is hazy on that whole situation. So hopefully, you know, obviously I, I can't imagine this global release will have that exploit in there. Um, yeah, so um, look forward to. I think I think the most the the mm, the thing that is most like infuriating out about the, about this game is like, uh, what do you call those ar- arcade games where like you uh, you choose a slot for a ball and then it falls down a certain way depending on like the pe- where the pegs are and then you might get a prize or not. Do you, do you know what I'm talking about? Like those uh, games you find in an arcade, like uh, for like. Wait, t- you mean pachinko? Not pachinko, because pachinko is just like you're just pulling a lever, but like you're physically like putting a ball. Like you see, like yeah. it's like a top down board, and then like you put a ball into a slot, and then like it'll move like certain yeah, the, ways. Yeah, like it bounces off the pegs, and you hope it falls in the right slot. Yeah, I know what you're talking is that, about. Yeah, is that is that pachinko? No way. No, that's not. Uh, okay, uh, what is it called? I forgot. But the the summoning animation in in World Flipper it adopts that style where like a pinball will fall from the from the sky, and then like there'll be certain pegs that'll that'll dictate its movement, and then along the way there are orbs that are both uh, gold and like rainbow colored, and like if it hits like uh, a gold, it'll be an SR, but if it's two golds, it'll be an SSR, but if it hits like a rainbow orb, it'll be an SSR. So you're like. You can watch this summoning animation and see that pinball thing just miss those things. It's like here's your rare, like rarity or our character. Uh, it just barely missed this rainbow orb, bitch. And it's like, okay, thanks. Next yeah, game. it's such a troll when you play the game. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, I hate it so much. So I'm uh, looking at look this thing, and apparently it's just called. Uh, some places just call it like the peg game or the ball and peg game. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay, I, yeah, I thought there was a more formal name for that, but yeah, that's how the summoning animation is like. You can skip it if you want, but you, you want that rush. You want that rush, and then getting pissed at it, for sure. Uh, let's see. Uh, we have um, oh, Pathfinder Kingmaker uh, has surpassed uh one million units worldwide. Congratulations to the team there. And they released. They just released the sequel to that. Uh, Pathfinder yeah. Wrath of the Righteous. So th- right. for those who aren't familiar, Pathfinder is a tabletop RPG, and this is basically a, a computer-based isometric RPG uh, adapting the tabletop to a video game. The first game, Pathfinder Kingmaker, that we just mentioned, it came out three years ago, uh, I believe, 2018. And it's a sort of game where it seems like it kind of gained momentum over time where people who are into these games uh, kind of realized, hey, this is kind of a pretty cool game. It came out really buggy, though. And I know our reviewer, Brian, when he played it, he actually got like a game-breaking bug where he literally had to start over. Um, But he, he ended up pretty positive on it, and he's currently working on the review for the sequel that just came out. But also, apparently, the sequel is also maybe not as in dire straits as the original but also pretty buggy but the thing is these games are like extremely dense in terms of your character creation you set so many different things for your characters in terms of like their class their subclass i might 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 be getting some of the terms wrong but like which god they follow which specialization and there's just so many different options you can do that inevitably there are going to be some abilities or skills or things that just don't 
quite work right. It's just so dense. So um, I actually do know people who are interested in this game, but are like, you know what? I will play it next year <laughs> when it has a chance to be polished at least a bit. Um, yeah. Everything I hear about Pathfinder Kingmaker is that it is great, but also I hear that it's like three games in one, like literally a hundred hour game. It almost feels like it has like a story beginning, a story ending, and then the next story, the next story ending, and then the third story kind of all in one game. Sort of, you know, kind of like a tabletop campaign. You can sometimes have like sequel campaigns or whatever. Um, And it feels like that. So that's the sort of game it is. But yeah, a million for this new studio, which is a Russian-based studio for a computer RPG. That seems pretty darn good. Like that is more successful than Pillars of Eternity from from uh, Obsidian, Obsidian, for example. Right. And this is just All Cat Studios in in Russia. So like, this game has seemed to have done pretty well for itself. Um, Congrats. It's one of those games I'm interested in. That just like, do I have 150 hours to spare? I don't know. Yeah, who, who would play a hundred-hour RPG? Yeah, who, who does Gee, that? I wonder. Uh, oh, okay. God. Be- before before we move on, we have we have the correction to make because Je- Jess is is yelling at us in Discord. All, all right, Jess. <laughs> what what did we get wrong at the at the past segment? There was there was a name for that game, the the ball and peg game. What was it called, Jess? Okay, so I was trying to look for the name of the game. I was just like. Pegs, ping pong ball, drop, and then I found that the game was named Clinko, That's not right. Pachinko. That's Clinko. Right. <laughs> Sorry, Clinko. we have to issue this correction. We are. I I know uh, certain I know certain listeners right now are like just pulling their hair out, like it's Plinko. I cannot believe you got Plinko. It's Plinko. Um, All right. I mean, yes. like I was on mute, so I was like. Wow, it's like they can't hear me, and I was like, "Oh, wait a second. So, not completely, everyone. No, we're not ignoring you. We can hear you. But thank you for the correction, Jess. Plinko, gotta remember. Pachinko. Uh, well, at least we know. Pachinko and Plinko are the same thing. In my head, at least. Uh, well, now see. I don't know what Pachinko is. Oh, Pachinko is like slots in Japan, essentially. Um, Story of Seasons, Pioneer, Pioneers of Olive Town launches for PC on September 15th. So about a week and a half from now. Uh, this will be the first Story of Seasons uh, coming to PC, right? No. Uh, Friends of Mineral Town. It was really weird, but it ended up releasing for Switch and PC simultaneously. Oh, right. I, I forgot that it already came out on PC. <laughs> for some reason, I got that mixed up and this was coming first before that. Yeah. The So the other news that's related to this is that so there's two games. There's Story of Seasons Pioneers of Olive Town, which that came out for Switch earlier this year and is now coming out for PC. And then last year, there was Story of Seasons Friends of Mineral Town, so different game. That one came out for Switch and PC simultaneous. Okay. That PC that, that PC port was sort of weird because they kind of announced it pretty late, but it was coming out at the same time. So it just sort of they just sort of like snuck it in there. But that game is also coming out to PS4 and Xbox later this year. Um I think October. So, uh, yeah. Pioneers of Olive Town. I do not play these games, so I don't have firsthand, you know, experience with them. But I, I've heard a lot of negative things on this game in terms of its content, in terms of how NPCs behave, in terms of these things called makers, which is a gameplay element that apparently are just really tedious, and they've actually adjusted a bit in DLC. Um, 
it's it's oddly Exceed Games literally like best selling game by some metric. So it's done really well for itself, but it seems like it's not quite what people were hoping for. It's gotten a fair bit of DLC, so maybe it's better now, but I have heard some mixed things on it for sure. And even when we when we reported on the PC release, there PC people are kinda like they're either either saying skip it or maybe it's better now. Uh but uh yeah, mixed things on it, but it's coming to PC, so you'll be able to check it out. There's also going to be uh, a limited uh, time free DLC coming to Story of Seasons, oh, yeah. Pirates of Olive Town, um, allowing players to dress like Sakuna from Sakuna Rice and Ruin, and that'll be available both for the Switch and PC versions until March 30th of next year. So, big uh, time time window Sakuna for you. Uh, Sakuna is, uh, is popular now, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, hey, man, everyone, and everything. Sheesh. That, that, speaking of like, you know, one of Exceed's like, you know, biggest selling games, Sakuna probably definitely up there. Yeah. Oh. Um, oh yeah. So uh earlier this week, uh we finally got uh we heard word back from um the developers of Babylon's Fall. This is the Platinum Games uh action maybe an rpg i don't know if it's an rpg but it's definitely an action game uh with uh square enix publishing it they gave uh, a very 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 detailed uh report on their cl- first closed beta the phase one of their closed beta test um just basically uh, addressing almost every complaint that i guess they heard back from from the people who were testing it. i don't know i don't really know anyone who, who was in the beta uh, to be honest, like I've heard, I have friends of friends that were in the beta, the but I don't know anyone personally that like to talk to about this game. That was I don't know. pretty connected to get into that beta. Yeah, uh, it seems like you know, obviously, a lot of people couldn't get past like the terms of service, for example, to like connect because specifically the uh, um, keyboard didn't work for that. So if you were trying to play the game with only keyboard and mouse, you were shut out of luck and you literally cannot play the... Uh... Yeah, and then, and then the, the director, Saito, was like, oh, yeah, um, well, apparently people want to play this on keyboard, so they'll, they said that keyboard controls will be supported from the retail version onwards. So I guess not even in... Like, not even in beta 2 or 3. <laughs> yeah, so just, oh, all right, well, I guess. Um, but, you know, they've, they've addressed things like the... The artwork, for example, like the brushwork filter, like the, the it made the visibility bad, and like, yeah, okay, we should probably try to aim for visibility uh, on that front, so we'll make adjustments there. And then they're talking about like obviously just the battle system not feeling as fast uh, for people as they want it to be, and like all sorts of things. It's it, they go very very into detail about every nook and cranny at any complaints that people had. In 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 one way, it feels refreshing that they're uh, addressing it so like in depth like it's like overwhelming to to like uh skim through even but hope for the best day they have uh other closed beta test phases incoming um phase two is like sometime this month and then phase three is around november uh, i believe is what they were talking about so we'll see we'll see how that game shapes up um by release and hopefully all these beta tests um, just only help that game be the best that it can be by the time yeah, it comes out. It definitely did have a bit of a disappointing E3 showing, but it seems like they're working their hardest to adjust and address what people want out of that game. So, yeah, uh, you know, that's all, that's all we can really hope for. 
and hopefully it's awesome. Um, PlayStation Now users, uh, finally, it's your time to shine. If you're a PlayStation Now user, um, you'll be getting a Final Fantasy game every month starting this month up until January. So starting this month, you'll get Final Fantasy VII, the original PS1 game, not the remake. In October, you'll get Final Fantasy VIII. Uh, in November, you'll get Final Fantasy IX. In December, you'll get Final Fantasy X and X-2, the, the bundle. And in January, to uh, end it all off, you'll get Final Fantasy XII, the Zodiac Age. So if, uh, I think all of those games are already on... Were they on Game Pass for a limited time and they went off, or are they still on Game Pass? I forgot. I, I don't, don't know. know. I don't really I think, pay attention. Yeah, yeah, I think some of them might still be on there. Like I could check right now, like Final Fantasy. Let's see. Yeah. Um yeah. so stuff that's still on Game Pass, there is 1010 And uh okay, Final Fantasy 8 is still on Game Pass, so I think it might be leaving soon. Like when was this added? Yeah, this will probably leave in November because it was added November 11th uh, last year. Okay. So, so make the most out of your PlayStation Now uh, subs, and if you really want to play FF games on that, then go for it. Have fun. I which which of those FF much... games is the best one? The Pixel Remastered. That's never coming. FF8 Remastered. Hell yeah. That FF8 one. is a fun game to break. But if it's actually good, I don't know. I, I do. It is a legitimately fun game to break. Let's just like just completely destroy it. Um, if, if, we're, if we're being serious out of like the, the, the ones here, I'd say it's a tie between FF9 and FF12 Zodiac Age, personally. Hentu's uh, battle system is un, uh, underestimated. It's very good. The it's best very good. Yeah. The best implementation of ATB. Yeah. It's great. They'll, ne they'll never visit again. Too bad. Well, technically, Seven Remake is ATV. They they call it ATV, but it's not really. It's not a classic ATV. So, I think that's an article in the making. <laughs> Go write an article. <laughs> great, it's really bring back ATV. AT, bring back the real ATV. <laughs> that's right. All righty then. So that that finishes up all the news for this week that pertains to RPGs. Um, that is that wraps up the show. That's the end of this TetraCast episode. You can find us uh, at uh, at the site rpgsite.net. You can find us on Twitter at rpgsite. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com/rpgsitenet. You can visit our YouTube at youtube.com/rpgsitenet. You can find uh, us on your favorite podcast app just by searching TetraCast. And then you can uh, visit our Discord uh, up at, you have a Discord button at the top of our uh, front page on the site if you want to go uh, check it out. Um, yeah, well, I'm sure the, that uh, Discord's going to be very, uh, going to be buzzing about Arise uh, very shortly uh, with the release incoming. And, and Lost yeah. Judgment, like, God, September, just so yeah, many well, games. Yeah, Lost Judgment's going to be coming like in just in a few weeks now as well. So. I'm also in a different yeah. Discord chat that is that has a bunch of people that are diving into the Pathfinder game and like comparing their builds and like what they're doing and and all that. So if if that's the type of RPG you're in, that's like a big release this month too. So yeah. So th uh, thank you for joining me, Adam Vitali. Thank you for joining me, James Galizio. 
Thank yep. you, Jess Reyes. Thank you, Chow Min Wu. Uh, I've been your substitute host, Josh Torres, and that's been another episode of the TetraCast. Bye.